Radical Truth is a podcast produced by TBLI Group and hosted by Robert Rubenstein. TBLI is making the financial system work for all. Our podcasts cover the wide range of ESG and impact investing topics. What it is, why is it booming, is it really helping, is impact regenerative in nature? How will climate change impact investments? There will be regular interviews with thought leaders, some known, some not known, but all brilliant, and we will have engaging conversations with all of them. Can we create an economy based upon well-being? Let's make the financial system work for all. This is Radical Truth. MacArthur Foundation Genius Fights for Environmental Rights in Rural America. Catherine Coleman Flowers. Often called the Erin Brockovich of sewage, Catherine tells the riveting story of the environmental justice movement that is firing up rural America. Catherine Coleman Flowers grew up in Lowndes County, County, Alabama, a place that's been called Bloody Lowndes because of its violent, racist history. Once the epicenter of the voting rights struggle, Today it's ground zero for a new movement that is Flowers' life's work. It is a fight to ensure human dignity through a right most Americans take for granted, basic sanitation. To many people, especially the rural poor, lack of an affordable means of disposing cleanly of the waste from their toilets. Flower calls this America's dirty secret. In this powerful book, Waste, she tells the story of systemic class, racial, and geographic prejudice that fosters the third world world conditions, not just in Alabama, but across America, in Appalachia, Central California, coastal Florida, Alaska, the urban Midwest, and on Native American reservations in the West. This is Radical Truth. I, we are really, really lucky that Catherine found an hour to give to us because she's one of the most <laughs> busiest people I know. Um, Catherine Coleman Flowers is a MacArthur Fellow winner or a Genius Award. She has been, she's often called the Erin Brockovich of uh, municipal waste, trying to bring fresh water and municipal waste solutions to rural America. She's also on recently was asked to join the Biden um, team for environmental justice and her list of accolades just go on and on and on. So I'm not going to really go through all of that. I'm going to let Catherine basically introduce herself, tell us what she's doing, and then we'll start into the Q&A a bit later. So Catherine, thank you so much for coming. And uh, for those of you who live on a different planet and don't know who you are, just tell us about your your background and your journey that brought you where you are now. Yes, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest this morning. Um, well, I am in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, for those that don't know, Montgomery is a very historic area. Uh, it is uh, the birthplace of the modern-day civil rights movement because Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, preached here and, and actually started a movement uh, that was the Montgomery bus boycott. This is where Rosa Parks uh, did refuse to give up her seat on the bus, and it led to a lot of changes that took place in the South that 
we're still fighting to maintain today. Among them is wastewater uh, treatment, equitable wastewater and sanitation treatment uh, throughout the South, but we've since discovered is throughout the United States of America. So my entree into all of this is that I moved to back to Alabama after teaching uh, for many years and living in other places. I moved back in 2000 and found out that people were being arrested because they could not afford on-site sanitation and thought that it was simply because of poverty. And that was the reason why they, the residents themselves could not afford it. However, I've since learned that it's more complicated than that. Poverty, of course, is a, is a factor. And a lot, sometimes it's even Jim Crow laws that existed years ago that prevented people from getting access to sanitary sewer. And they're still, and it's still serving the same purpose. Uh, but we also found out that climate change factors into it and, and the natural ecosystem, which is in Lowndes County, Alabama, where I do a lot of my work, and that's located between Selma and Montgomery and the site of the historic Selma to Montgomery Voting Rights March. Um, the, the, the water tables are very high. Uh, recently, we tried to do uh, put in place on-site septic for a family, and when they dug down 25 inches, they struck water. So the, they couldn't use a conventional septic system. It had to be engineered. And the price was 28000 American dollars, which is a lot of money for a middle-class family, even more so for a poor family. And in Lyle County, we have a lot of poor families. In, in recent times, because of the pandemic, uh, in the state of Alabama, there are 67 counties that the state is divided into. Lowndes County has the highest per capita death and infection rate from COVID than any other county in um, the state. And largely, I believe, because of the exposure to raw sewage. Uh, what is raw sewage? It means that the toilets work, that we don't need a new toilet. The problem is what happens once it leaves the toilet. When it leaves the toilet, it ends up uh, in the case of Lowndes County, people that don't have wastewater treatment, they flush it and it ends up outside their home, generally on top of the ground. Uh, the other problems that we found that not only do people straight pipe, that's what it's called, when the straight pipe out of the toilet, uh, out of the home onto, onto the ground, uh, we have people that have failing septic systems and they're failing largely because of the high water tables or they're failing because in the case of recently, we had a major freeze here um, that impacted, I'm sure you've heard about what happened in Texas where the entire grid just did not work. They tried to blame it on renewable energy, but it's because they had a grid that was independent and no other grids outside of the state of Texas could put uh, electricity there to keep their system running and it failed. So whoever came up with that bright idea decided to blame it on renewable energy because renewable energy could have potentially saved them from what happened. Not only did their electric grid fail, their water systems failed as well, and their wastewater systems failed. In other words, they, they couldn't even flush their toilets. They had no water to flush the toilets with. Uh, but in addition to that, in the state of Mississippi, Jackson is their capital. And the freeze also impacted Jackson to the point that People in those areas lost, um, they lost power 
uh, too. And they also lost water. They lost water for a longer period of time. The parts of Texas and the parts of Jackson that suffered the most were those communities that were primarily communities of color. Uh, they got the worst infrastructure or they, they got the cheapest infrastructure and the infrastructure failed. Uh, how does that impact them or how does that impact the economy? Well, recently I was speaking with um, representatives from the city of Montgomery because we found out that in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, there are communities that don't that are not connected to sewer. They're paying a wastewater fee and they're paying a water fee, but they're not connected to sewer. As a result, uh, those communities are suffering. They have on-site septic systems that are failing. And when they fail, the sewage either comes back into their homes or go back uh, or, or ends up out on the ground. Uh, when we met with the, sewer, the water and sewer board, their position was, well, when they built those communities, the developer should have put the systems in place. And, since, and we take them over. We don't do that. But that's not true because I used to do economic development for Lowndes County. And I was involved doing economic development at the time that Hyundai announced that it was building its first American plant in Montgomery, Alabama. And I know that it was a pasture and water and sewer board extended sewer there. I know that they were also trying to extend sewer to the, where the tier one suppliers were located in Lowndes County. The question is, why are they refusing to, to extend their sewer to, uh, to the black communities that do not have it and are within 500 feet of a sewer main here in Montgomery. Uh, that plays out in the national politics in this country too. Who has access to sanitation equity? And that's why it's an environmental justice issue. But we're finding that this problem is not just in the South. We're finding that this problem is throughout the United States. I'm actually engaged in a project with the Guardian newspaper where we're looking at wastewater for a year throughout the entire United States. And we're finding, we're asking people to self-report problems because the government has no clear question of how many people uh, do not have sanitary sewer in the U.S., uh, which is a shame since we're one of the wealthiest countries. And sometimes we'll say we're the wealthiest country in the world. But these are the problems that you would not expect to find um, in a country that has so much. But a lot of the communities that are suffering are the poor communities. They're communities throughout the U.S. And recently, we were, um, our first story that we did with the Guardian was on Centerville in Illinois, which is uh, uh, not necessarily deemed a rural community, but it's a suburban community. And when I went to Centerville, I saw more raw sewage on the ground there than I saw in Lowndes County. We're also getting reports from places like New York, one of the wealthiest counties in New York. There's a part of that county that's having wastewater problems. I recently did an interview with um, former President Bill Clinton, who talked about the fact that he's on a septic system, he and Hillary. But he also talked about how um, he, he attributes his his second success when he was reelected governor, because, you know, he ran for governor of Arkansas and won, and then he ran again and lost. And he said that he had to go to the black community and he met uh, at a location in um, in uh, the, the Delta region of, uh, of Arkansas. And he said he was about to 
not get the nomination when a person raised their hand and talked about how he was supporting him because his children were playing in raw sewage in the yard before Bill Clinton was elected governor. And because of this man speaking out, he said that he was re he got the nomination and he was elected governor again. And we know the rest of that story. But this is um, this is an issue that has attracted the attention of lots of people. And more recently, um, the uh, the Biden administration just released a, uh, a plan called the American Jobs Plan, where they're also committing at least one hundred and eleven billion dollars for wastewater, water and sanitation uh, systems. And that includes rural communities. And I, I'm really proud of that because a lot of the people that are serving with the administration also served with me on the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force that, were put, that was put together uh, during the campaign where we crafted not only uh, policy on, uh, on water and wastewater infrastructure and environmental justice, but we certainly crafted policy on climate change as well, because that's a, that is a factor. How do we deal with this? And, and why am I talking to you this morning? Well, this is a problem globally. It's not just an American problem. There are many places around the world, I've heard from people on most of the continents uh, that are having wastewater issues as well. And we're gonna see this becoming more and more prevalent when the technologies that we're currently using, the infrastructure that's in place is, uh, is failing because of rising sea levels or extreme weather conditions that are happening more often. Wastewater is just part of them, but it's so fundamental to public health. So what we're proposing to do, my organization, the Center for Rural Enterprise and Environmental Justice is a nonprofit that was uh, created because of my experience in working and advocating for people primarily in rural communities that are suffering from wastewater problems. But we're finding again, as I said, that these problems are existing in rural and urban areas. So we've decided that the next step, especially after receiving the MacArthur Award, the next step is for us to work on technologies. We want to flip and change the engineering paradigm. You know, I, I was told a story about a farm in Lowndes County where the farmer has sent all of his children to school to get degrees in agricultural science, but they can't run the farm. It's the workers that are running the farm. Uh, anytime anything breaks, they have to ask the workers. They have machinery on this farm. The best machinery they say they have is are the older tractors, and the, but they can't find parts for the tractors. And one of the tractors stopped working. And when uh, the tractors stopped working, actually one of the workers fabricated parts to keep the tractor working. And now he's fabricating parts for other farmers that have old farm equipment and can't find the parts to keep them working. That's the type of ingenuity that I want to tap into and place them with engineers and scientists to develop wastewater treatment systems that work. Because I think the best way to find, um, to develop these type of technologies are to bring in the room, the same room, and this is using the, the principles of environmental justice, to bring into the same room, the people that have dealt with the failures and had to find ways in which to keep it from coming into their home and have them sitting down with the people that can help design the solutions. And, and along with that, we want to incorporate space age technology. That's why I'm moving to Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama is, is now the location of 
the Space Command in the United States. It's also where NASA is located. And we know that they treat wastewater on the space shuttle, the drinking water quality. And we would like to partner with them to find out how they use that technology and how we can bring that technology down to earth and come up with the kind of um, wastewater treatment that hopefully is, is equivalent to, you know, I'm in a, in, a, in a part of the country where it gets very hot. So you can't live here without an air conditioning system to keep it cool in your home. So I, when I built my home, uh, I got a 10-year warranty on my HVAC system. And it has worked very well. It's really extended beyond that. And what we found out is that a lot of the industries here are pushing against warranties on their systems. So when they put these these um, on-site wastewater systems in people's homes, when they put them in the ground, uh, they walk away from them. And there's no no liability. So when they there's no uh, incentive to to improve the design or to change it when it doesn't work. And I, 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 one of the things that we're pushing for as well are, is the change in the technology and that they have to be have to have warranty so they can be liable for the failures because of the health consequences. But what we're hoping to do is create something akin to maybe an HVAC system that each home can have. They can treat wastewater when it comes out, it will be clean. And that will flip the entire paradigm as it relates to wastewater, because now what happens, even the big treatment plants, when we get a lot of rain and they fail, the raw sewage is going directly into our water sources. That's happening around the world. So our goal is to, to create something, to take what we've learned and create something that will work. We're not gonna wait for someone else to come up with a solution because I've been doing this for 20 years. It hasn't happened yet. So now in order for us to come up with with uh, solutions, we want to inspire uh, a technology challenge to create wastewater treatment solutions that can work and hopefully work in different places around the world, flipping this paradigm that will lead to everyone having clean water and having a potentially reusing and reclaiming what can come from a toilet uh, that can be used for good purposes. And, and, and hopefully taking the shame away from waste. Because in this country, we haven't talked about this for so many years, because this is one thing that people don't wanna, don't wanna discuss. But we all, this is something that no matter where we are in the world, we're united by the fact that we all create waste. And we have to find a way in which to treat it that's also beneficial to, the, um, to, the, to our, our ecosystem, but also could provide economic opportunity. Uh, and when if we have adequate wastewater treatment everywhere in the world where people want it, just imagine, I know in, in Lowndes County where I did economic development, I couldn't attract businesses to an area that didn't have wastewater treatment. But that keeps people's property values low. It determines what type of economic development can happen in that area. And we need to change that. And that's why we have a lot of these environmental justice communities. So I'm hoping that my role uh, on the White House Environmental Justice Advocacy Council will allow me an opportunity to be able to share insight from these perspectives that are generally not heard and, and that we will find some long-term solutions that will not only help um, here in the U.S., but can be useful around the world. 
and we're looking for partners in that process. This the the issue of municipal waste is a local issue, correct? I mean, it's not a federal government that uh, funds the infrastructure to fix uh, municipal waste, correct? Well, that's not true in the U.S. Um, a lot of the monies that are, especially in poor communities, but even in the wealthier communities through the the um, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, there's funding for um, for wastewater treatment. There's also funding through uh, the United States Department of Agriculture. So the question is, what happens once it gets to the states? You know, the federal government provides funding. Once it gets to the states, a lot of times it doesn't end up in the poor communities because they don't have the, the bandwidth or the influence to get it, um, to get the funds. So there are federal funds available. What the Biden administration is doing is proposing additional federal, federal funds. Actually, the Biden administration has an infrastructure plan. Um, and, and of course, wastewater and sanitation is part of that infrastructure. And they're proposing money that will ultimately go to um, that will ultimately go to the states. And our our one of the things that I'm pushing for is what happens once it gets to the states. That's when we have the problems. These are some of the same states that are trying to keep people from getting water, standing in line to go vote when they have to stand in these lines because they have closed a lot of the polling places and to make the process uh, more complicated. So. If you can't even hand, give someone water who's standing in line, you know they don't care about people using the bathroom and, and making sure that only certain communities get access to the funds. So, so yes, it's, 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 the federal government is also involved, but it, is, it does get local once it gets to the state. When you look at all of the issues that the U.S. has to address and has neglected or avoided, or intentionally, I mean, someone said to me that the U.S. congressional system works perfectly. It's just fixed. <laughs> the fix is in. Um, so how do you get, I mean, it's not a very sexy subject, municipal waste. You know, I can imagine it's not the, the most important, you know, the, the most exciting or thrilling thing. There's no kind of big ribbon cutting ceremony over there we didn't go to the moon so how do you get people actually even care about this if you see that a that the local community the rural community doesn't even want to deal with municipal waste when it's a public health hazard how are you going to get them interested and also they don't want they don't even want these people voting so why do you think that how do you get them interested in this this is, seems like mission impossible well, I've been working on it for 20 years, and there's been a lot of interest in it lately. I think one of the things that was very helpful is I wrote the book, Waste, One Woman's Fight Against America's Dirty Secret, that really tells the story of how I got engaged going from teaching to economic development to, to becoming a wastewater warrior. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, uh, uh, just telling the stories, I, I've allowed people to tell their own stories. And whenever people would come to Lowndes County, I would take them. You know, I've taken people there like Jane Fonda, um, activists and, 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 and actress. Uh, people like Bernie, Senator Bernie Sanders, when he was running for president, Senator Sanders actually came and visited himself. Cat uh, Taylor, who is the wife of Tom Sawyer, who was also running for president, came to visit. Um, 
Cory Booker, who ran for president, came to visit. So we were able to raise the visibility of this problem. And now with um, climate change, you know, or some would say Mother Nature being in the background, wreaking havoc on the infrastructure, there are a lot of people that are starting to suffer the problem that hadn't suffered it before. And we're also hearing from people who are more affluent, who've been silent about this, they're saying, I'm suffering the same, I have the same problem. And, and, and they're pushing for a solution because a lot of people didn't think that it was systemic. They thought that it was a problem uh, with the plumbing. Mm. But it's more than that. It's, it's, it's a problem that is um, the intersection is at the intersection of environmental justice and climate change because there's been so much neglect and it's been greater neglect in poor communities than have been in other communities. But some affluent communities are starting to suffer the same issues. I've heard from people in the Hamptons, for an example, that are starting to have problems. And the, the is, do you think that it's just basically a political decision of the community says, well, they, these people don't vote, we don't really care, so why should we invest in the infrastructure? Let's just have a good high school football team and, you know, build a, a stadium. I, I always tell friends of mine, if you really want to understand rural America, watch a TV show Friday Night Lights because it will give you a very good insight into how important the high school football is. There's lots of money for that, but little money for, for things like, uh, like municipal ways. Do you think it's, it's basically an, an ignorance issue or is it a willful uh, feeling like, well, the hell with them. We don't really wanna you know, fix, the, we have plumbing, so we don't care. I think it's, 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 it's not quite that simple. Uh, I think there are some areas of the country where people, there's been willful neglect, yes. Uh, and, and the other areas, if you don't have a tax base, you can't pay for it. So you end up getting the cheaper infrastructure and the cheaper infrastructure, it just cannot stand up to, to the conditions that, that we have and that are recurring. Um, and then you have communities that have been redlined. Uh, redlined meaning that if you are African-American, your property values are different. They won't give you loans or mortgages to move into areas that may be more affluent or maybe uh, uh, whiter. <laughs> so those red line areas, like when I mentioned Montgomery earlier, those are probably the areas where black people settled around Montgomery first. And that's why they never got sewage in those areas. You know, those are areas over across the tracks. If you look at some of the other older American movies, people that lived across the tracks were, um, were the poor people in the community, whether they were black or white. And you can, you can tell when you cross those railroad tracks the difference in the communities and what kind of investment was there and who had money and who didn't. But I think that when it comes to something as basic as wastewater, what COVID has taught us Wastewater carries public health implications, and the next virus, the next uh, disease doesn't have to start somewhere in another part of the world. It can start in any one of these areas that's been neglected. Because one of the things that we also found uh, that elevated this issue and, and to an international issue is when we found hookworm in Lowndes County, Alabama. And hookworm is associated with poverty in third world nations, but this was the richest nation in the world. Uh, supposed to be so great but yet we had these 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 uh 
these conditions that existed that showed that we had neglected large groups of our population. Those populations have suffered from, from COVID deaths too, as a result of the healthcare disparities that it, it creates. So I think that's one part of the problem. Then the other part of the problem is it, it takes a lot of money to invest in infrastructure and a lot of the leaders in these communities uh, because they don't have it, they, they can't get it. And that's why what Biden is proposing is very important because a lot of these communities that have been left behind, the only way they're gonna get it, it's gonna have to come from the federal government. But at the same time, we wanna make sure that people are not lining up at the public trough, uh, if you will, uh, people that are creating these systems that are not working, putting them in place, and we're right back at the same place when Biden is no longer in office. Mm -hmm. And that's why the work that we're doing with the Center for Rural Enterprise and Environmental Justice is so important. We have to we have to have this technology challenge. Uh, I've been talking with some people uh, in Congress uh, that are trying to do some work uh, on the Senate side. And what they're proposing is uh, funding for rural communities that will go to rural communities to, to, to deal with wastewater treatment. But I've also proposed that they put in that um, funding money for innovation and technology so we can inspire our universities and public and private partners to come up with ways to create um, ways to treat wastewater. You know, it would ideally if we could get people, not just um, what we're doing, but if we can get people around the country and around the world to focus on this problem, just imagine what we can come up with. Like we came up with these COVID vaccines uh, that we didn't have a year ago. <laughs> we had COVID a year ago, but we came up with the vaccines. If we make it a priority, I think we can find solutions. Well, well, I I agree. I agree with you because I I always heard from governments we have no money. We have no money. We're broke. And all of a sudden, during COVID, everybody had lots of money to throw at, uh, at the problem. All the, everyone who said they were broke all of a sudden could find the money to pre-order vaccines or to support small enterprises or to send checks to people who are out of work. So, uh, it's well, and, 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 and to send lots of money to businesses, supposedly that were larger businesses that were supposed to keep their employees employed, but they actually use that money to profit instead of keeping the economy going for a lot of people. So many people are out of work now. Uh, there are lots of people that are out of work. I mean, it's gotten so bad. In fact, I know in one case where three members of the family died from COVID and the last member, they had to do a GoFundMe account to pay for the funeral. Oh, oh. So now part of the proposal that Biden uh, put out there, that the last plan involves even paying, helping people to pay for funerals. Because, you know, we, because we had a president that ignored COVID and said it was a hoax. Although he took the vaccine himself before he left office, he and his wife, um, <laughs> They they were, you know, they were not listening to the science. And that's one of the reasons why we've had some of the highest death rates in the world, because people, they were told it was like a flu. You didn't need to wear a mask. They were not socially distancing. And there have been lots of uh, deaths that we should not have had. Here in Montgomery, for an example, they had to close schools because in one week, eight teachers died. So we we have to um, we 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 have to really 
be more focused on what we do because when we make decisions, the impacts now could not only just impact Lowndes County, Alabama, but as we see in COVID, it can impact the entire world. This is um, this is not a private sector solution, correct? This is a, a public sector. The government has to address this, correct? I, I think it's a public and private sector solution because the private sector gets involved because the government will give, will give the money, but the private sector will create the technology that will be used to treat wastewater. And the private sector doesn't want regulation. But we have to have regulation so that we won't continue to have these failures that I'm documenting. That's the reason why you know about what I do because I've been documenting this for years and people would not acknowledge it now, but there are enough people acknowledging that this is a problem. But the private sector needs to be engaged and there needs to be, um, we have to have the kind of competition that's going to encourage people that, that are engaged in the private sector solutions, come up with solutions that work and not just solutions that will allow them to line up when the government makes the money available, sell them to the poor towns. And then five years later, the next Catherine Flowers is talking about the same thing. Let me see. Uh, all right. But the, you're, so you're saying that you're uh, engaging with space age technology to address municipal waste. Okay, so there are technical solutions. I'm sure a lot of innovation also in India and the Philippines and in other places. Uh, but if the public sector is not really interested in allocating the resources, you could have the technolog technological solution, but you, you're not getting, uh, no one wants to put up the money. Because you don't seem to be like a kind of person, well, I'm happy if we get halfway there. You know, you, you seem like an all-in person, like we're doing this or we're not doing this. So how, you know, what is the trick? What is the trigger to get the public sector? Okay, now you're in, you're in a position of influence and power. You have access to Joe and the guys and the, and the women in Washington. Let's move on this. Uh, how are you getting them on board for this? They're definitely lining up. That's why I'm meeting with people here in Montgomery. You know, I live in Montgomery and uh, I didn't know that there were wastewater problems. And they actually, uh, the city council person came to me and asked for help. So yes, people are, are taking uh, an interest. They want to do it before they didn't talk about it because they weren't sure where the money was going to come from. And now that the money is there, uh, they want to be positioned, a lot of them want to be positioned to deal with these problems because they don't know whether this will ever happen again. Plus, there's a big push on the way with the American Jobs Plan to actually fund for the government, the federal government, to provide funding for um, for water and wastewater infrastructure. And part of this plan is, uh, is, is, is a concept called Justice 40. And with mm -hmm. Justice 40, the 40% 40, 40 of the benefits from this money has to go to those communities that have been left behind. So that will give them a chance to, to be able to work on not only the wastewater problems, but other environmental justice issues that are happening around the country. So, so yes, I think talking about it, uh, and the fact that a lot of people from municipalities in particular, but even these county governments have always wanted the solutions to these problems, but they never had them before.
And as a result, we're seeing people that want to be a part of a lot of national organizations are reaching out. I'm hearing from, um, I'm hearing from universities around the country. I'm actually hearing from universities around the world. Uh, I've been invited to speak to a group in Germany about toilets <laughs> and wastewater. Uh, yesterday, I had a conversation with a member of parliament uh, who talks about climate and environmental justice. Uh, his name is David Lammy. And we were talking about them. This is in, in the UK. Uh, so there are problems. I've been interviewed by um, a paper uh, in Germany uh, who told me they, they, they really, on large parts of uh, rural Germany, they've outlawed on-site wastewater treatment. And so there are places around the world that are having these issues and people are paying attention because they are hoping that we can come up with solutions. But I think the trick, as you said, I think the trick is how we're dealing with COVID vaccines right now. The vaccines are being made available to anybody that wants them over the age of 16. And and what is happening, if you don't have the funds, you can't pay for it, you can still get the vaccine. You don't have to have insurance to get the vaccine. It's being made available because it's so important and critical for public health and our economy. The same thing is true for wastewater. It's so important and critical to public health and is also critical to the economy. And I am, I think that this administration is willing to look at new ways in which to, to get this infrastructure, this critical infrastructure to the people that need it. And to also replace the infrastructure that's currently there that is failing because that needs to happen. This is not a blue or red state issue, right? They're equally guilty. Yes, it's not a blue or red state issue. It's not an urban or a rural issue. It's just that it's, it's just that in the rural communities, because the media never really covered the rural communities until recently, uh, people didn't know that it exists. And most of the U.S. is rural. Most people live in cities, but most of most of the U.S. is rural. And if we look at an, or look at the political divide, we'll find that most rural areas in the U.S. are in fact red. <laughs> so they're the ones that are suffering the most. Um, but I think the, the solutions that uh, that the Biden administration uh, are trying to put forward can embrace a lot of those divides because everybody has has to go to the bathroom, <laughs> no matter how they vote. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a couple of questions. Uh, I know that you are a woman of uh, faith. There's a question regarding that. Uh, Beata wanted to know, apart from faith, what keeps you going? Do you see that light in the in the tunnel? Yes, I see the light in the tunnel, and I see because of all the friends. I mean, the fact that I'm here talking to you this morning, um, all the people that have come to to listen, the people that have wanted to help, uh, the people that that donate to our nonprofit so that we can function. Um, I, I hear from people that have told me they've read the book, they've been inspired. People that have shared their own stories about how they grew up with this problem or how they live with this problem, but they were too embarrassed to talk about it. So that's what gives me hope and inspiration. Uh, all of you, the fact that, you know, that you took out your time to join me today to listen, that this inspires me because as long as when people stop listening, I know that I've lost. But the fact that people keep listening at the very least 
uh, gives me inspiration. And I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. And although, you know, I spent this last year working from home because of COVID, but I have probably done more in the past year than I did my entire life in terms of accomplishments because people were able to reach out and touch me through, uh, through the internet. And I was able to get a message out there. And it has been uh, very inspiring to me that despite all the death and the sorrow and the trauma that we are experiencing because of COVID, is that we've been able to make some progress too. So just imagine if it wasn't a pandemic, what could be created. So I feel that there's definitely light at the end of this tunnel. And, and I pray that I live to see it. I then had a question. Um, how is it that despite I don't know if the figure is right, 550,000 deaths, 74 million people are still willing to accept Republican attempts to turn the U.S. into Venezuela or worse. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I understand. I mean, I grew up in America. I knew that that was always there. Trump didn't create anything that wasn't always there. Uh, he just gave it a voice. So that for your people who haven't grown up in the U.S., it's very hard to comprehend that number. It's hard for me to comprehend it too, because I feel that some of these people exist in an altered reality. Um, you know, they, they, they're susceptible to un, untruths, like about the election and who won the election. I think that's why it's so important that people are educated about American, um, about the principles of American democracy and people need to read the Constitution for themselves. It's like people need to read the Bible for themselves. You know, <laughs> folks start reading the Bible, they start projecting it onto a screen. They tell you what they want you to know. Uh, but in order for you to really understand it, you need to read it for yourself. And the same thing is true with the Constitution. I remember going to the bank and uh, the, 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 the branch manager told me that there was no separation between church and state in the Constitution. I didn't argue with him. I went and bought him a Constitution and gave it to him on the reading and then we can discuss it afterwards. But I think that's what is happening is that people are being, um, they're, they're allowing, instead of studying for themselves, uh, they're allowing people to twist the reality for their own personal gain. And that's part of the problem. And we're hoping that maybe uh, with seeing what equity looks like because a lot of people feel that equity means that it's taking something from them. They don't realize there's enough for everybody to benefit. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a large part of the problem here in this country. Um, actually, someone who actually knows this gentleman, Larry from the UK, glad that Larry's in touch. We can use your knowledge and uh, get help. What specifically can the audience that are here live and those that are listening um, from the, the taped version and those that will access this through distribution of other channels, what can they do to help you specifically? Because it seems, you know, you won the MacArthur Award, so that, that's nice for five years of, of steady income. You're on the, you know, you have access to the power brokers in, in Washington. What can we do to help you? It doesn't seem that we can do very much. Well, yes, you can. I mean, we're we're moving to Huntsville, and we're going to put together this collaboration to find the wastewater technology that can work. 
and that's going to take money to fund. And we're hoping that uh, people would donate. You can donate to our nonprofit. Uh, we have a um, we we it's a tax you know tax deduction to donate to the Center for Rural Enterprise and Environmental Justice to help support our efforts. Uh, because at the end of the day, just getting the money from Washington is only part of it. That's to help the people, residents themselves, gain access to technology. But we want to start a technology race where we can find technologies that will work. And I think that if we can find something that will work, it will be in demand around the world. And we're looking for sponsors who would like to join us in that process to find the, the, the real long-term solutions. Anyways. Have you, there's an organization that was funded by Bill Gates and a bunch of other uh, board billionaires uh, called Breakthrough Ventures. And what their focus originally was disruptive technology to address climate risk. Uh, they have raised $2 billion um, and they fund grants, startups, anything around technological innovation. They have an office in Europe also. You might want to look at that. I know several people there, so I'm happy to connect you because they're looking for the innovative technology startups um, indirectly uh, you're addressing the climate because what you're dealing with is the effects of climate. Um, you might want to take a look at that Breakthrough Ventures. And Thank you. They have some you know, super nerds over there looking at all kinds of technology in, in cement and in uh, energy and in transportation and uh, and, and logistics. Um, and you also might want to look at the, the EU has just uh, allocated uh, 80 billion with a B euro to innovation in technology uh, startups in Europe and also several countries around Europe, Israel, Switzerland, Armenia, Georgia, etc. So um, I'm happy to uh, connect you with one of our partners there to access um, the this, it's called the European Innovation Council. We did the same with my friend in California who's looking at job creation and technology innovation. So can help there. I'm not so strong on the philanthropy side, but maybe there's some pseudo billionaires listening in over here who can uh, who can help you. Um, what you're you're going to you have all the work that you're doing. You've written several books and you're doing all of these interviews, and then you're moving house, uh, and then going to work with the the Biden administration. Do you get requests from other European or Asian countries regarding this issue of municipal waste, like? Uh, Philippines, uh, Thailand, Malaysia, or India? Uh, I'm actually working with an engineer that's from India uh, who won the MacArthur Award as well. And the reason that he reached out to me was because of the problem in India. Uh, I've been invited to India. I've also been invited to South Africa because South Africa has a water problem. So there are lots of places um, around the world that are having problems. In Lagos, Nigeria, they're having problems. Um, they're, they're just, this is more common than we know, and it's going to become more common as the sea level rises. Uh, even here in the U.S., I spoke with someone this week from Alaska, 
uh, and who's telling me that she's actually closer to Siberia than she is to the continent, you know, to the lower 48. And she's, um, he was telling me that because of the sea level rise, um, you know, they're losing their homes, their infrastructure is no longer working uh, because, you know, the warming temperatures, the melting permafrost. So in different parts of the world, people are experiencing different aspects of this, but it all comes to the same thing. The, the waste is not being treated. So, so yes, we are looking for partners and collaborators. Some of the, some of the, the, the people that think like I do out of the box things about how we can, 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 can treat this problem, how we can come up with technology solutions that are not currently available and do it in a way in which the, that anyone can access it. So that, that's the goal. And I believe that within five years that we're going to reach that goal. Yeah. But uh, um, for the, uh, this, uh, the Infrastructure uh, Act, the two or three trillion infrastructure, which probably is not even enough to start really making a dent, it's got to get through, got to get approved, you know, money that they, they can print that. Um, do you think that municipal waste in rural America is earmarked in there or are they, is it going to it, get it is. It, it is. is. Yes, it is. Actually, a person inside the administration has to call me and said, did Can you see it? On the call? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have a few friends there now, but um, but actually called me and said, uh, have you seen it? And I had seen it. And he said, did you see the $111 billion? And I said, yes. And I was told you know, there's an emphasis. Read it. Read the part. There's an emphasis on rural, um, on rural wastewater, and I was very happy with that. Uh, so, yes, they 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 are definitely focusing on this, and and I think just the fact that I was even appointed to be part of this wastewater, excuse me, the the uh, the Environmental Justice Advocacy Council, the WEJAC, for me to to get that appointment, you know, that's a that was a coveted appointment um, by other people. And the fact that the Biden administration uh, knows about the work that I'm doing. I've seen in a, even the executive order that he issued on environmental justice, he mentioned wastewater. So I'm hearing now, instead of people just talking about water, they're also talking about wastewater. As well. And I like to think that a lot of that has to do because they listen to the work we were doing. They listened to, um, a lot of people have read the book. Uh, there, you know, the New York Times covered the book and the problem with, with the wastewater issue. We've also heard from, um, you know, New York Magazine. Uh, I think there's a, a there's an English uh, language magazine in, um, in Germany called Spotlight. I've heard from, um, as recently as this week from a French broadcasting company that wants to come here and do a story. Oh. I've heard from the largest Italian broadcasting company that wants to do a story. I just consulted with the UN Deputy High Commission Commissioner on Human Rights. and She contacted me uh, to consult with her because of my work on, around environmental justice. So we're, we're getting global attention. Certainly we're getting attention here in the U.S. And and I believe that as David Lammy said yesterday when we were 
had a, a Instagram live uh, interview. I when I interviewed him there, um, one of the things that we we he said was that is that when the U.S. does things, it sends signals to markets around the world, mm. and the fact that we're focusing on wastewater and wastewater infrastructure, I think, is very important. So, so yes, um, I, I keep getting back to I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just need partners to help me get there. Okay, well, we, you you can always count on us. Another dear friend of mine, Joanne Savicki from London, she was saying she's suggesting that you speak to Antonia Antoninas Ma. Oh, wow, this is a tough one. Uh, Mavropoulos, happy to help with an intro. I'll send you the link about that. Uh, Thank Joe you. Joe is also a very good um, um, resource to have in, in the UK. She's also a force of, uh, of nature. We're coming up toward the end. I'm very conscious of how busy you are and I don't want to abuse uh, your time. Um, if you send me also links and I'll, I'll distribute the links for people who want to order the book or support your organization, we will send everyone a, a link to the replay so they can watch it again. And if you need to, use that replay to distribute to others I'll, I'll help you on uh on that but one is if there's one specific thing that this audience can do to make your day what's that become a partner okay, <laughs> okay. well that that i i think that the, there's your, your the initiative that you're doing is, is definitely not sexy <laughs> but very, very uh, important. And I really admire the fact that you're continuously rolling that stone up the hill for 20 years, uh, but that you're actually seeing that we're getting close to the top and that you're actually getting money allocated in that and uh, that it's, it's kind of impacting many, many, many people not just poor people in, in rural America, in, in, in Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi. Uh, maybe that's why there's more interest now because, uh, so, you know, the Hamptons are flooding <laughs> and, and <laughs> others and maybe Aspen, Colorado and, and maybe Silicon Valley when their toilets back up and uh, their systems collapse because of climate, maybe there'll even be more money uh, for this. So I'm, I'm really very, very grateful uh, for your time, and we'll distribute more further information that you want us to get to this uh, this particular group. I'd like to take a group selfie, if that's okay for uh, for you. Uh, yes, so, and please share it with me. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. So it's very simple. All you have to everybody just wave to the camera and take accept take a photo of yourself, and it'll go around, and each one can just add, and then it'll collate all of those photos together and then uh, I'll distribute all of those collated photos uh, uh, together. So just, you know, jump in there, grab a photo of yourself. I'll send you the, the final uh, version with as many photos on there as possible as we uh, as we send out um, the, the final uh, link to the replay. The replay usually takes about an hour or two. Uh, I want to thank everyone for coming. Uh, we had some comments. There was also a woman, the director of Freddie Mac uh, Housing Community Outreach, uh, who there had some issues with 
audio, but she'll be able to watch the, the replay and happy to connect you with any of the people here. So thank you all very, very much. And Catherine, keep your faith. I'm, I'm sure that you don't need any encouragement on that. And anything that we can do to help you, please just let us know. Thank you all. Thank this you. Joy, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And give them hell in Washington. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm sure. Take right. care. Stay well, and I'll I'll uh, send you this uh, this photo um, uh, later. Catherine, Thanks. you stay well. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you to our guest and audience for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe where you listen to your podcast. This was Radical Truth. Stay safe.